Welcome to the Chuan Chuan Podcast, a bilingual podcast where every episode we use English and Chinese to explore various social, cultural, and contemporary issues in the aim of giving our listeners a useful tool to improve either or both their English or Chinese language ability. This is part two of the Fifth Island Podcast. Because apparently they don't always claim all of it. That's why the distinction's there. But anyway, right. Anyway, yes, my point being was in charge that, of an yeah. entire country and economy is nothing. <laughs> yeah, so this just shows that, and this is one of the reasons why the one vote per person doesn't make any sense because this is where we vote. I mean, I don't know exactly how the salaries are decided, but at the end of the day, if everyone has a single vote, it's gonna be more people that are that don't care about the stuff will be just upset about making decisions that. Are good for the country, but it looks bad in the short term. You want people that are properly incentivized. So, I mean, like for instance, we're just talking about MP salaries, right? They should be much higher because they they're doing a lot of important decisions, and they they want to keep that salary and they want to keep the you know net worth up there. And we don't want them doing backroom deals and corruption or whatever because they're in a position of power. Like we we want to incentivize them correctly for leading. The people and leading their part of the country. Interestingly, I'm pretty sure MPs vote on their salaries, so they are doing that. So the problem, right, right, it's have, a signaling I mean, thing, though, right? It's a, a signaling thing. <laughs> if I know I'm, I'm yeah. going to get so they're, kicked they're out if I ask for twice, yeah, exactly, right. You can't, you can't vote for. I'm going to get a million dollar salary. Everyone would be like, "Fuck you!" I'm not going <laughs> to let you in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but there is another argument, which is that people shouldn't go into politics for money. They should go in because they want to do the right thing, <laughs> and sure. because they're patriotic and because they love their country. I mean, they're they're never going to be on the streets with that salary. I don't know. Do the government need to pay tax? It doesn't. I mean, they must do, but it kind of doesn't make sense. They're being paid out of taxes, but anyway. I'm sure they do. So th- th- it's not that much, really. I mean, for the job they're doing. I mean, people would say that, like, oh, they don't do anything or whatever, or they're not, you know, they're not doing anything for my community. They might not look into it, but at the end of the day, they need to be incentivized correctly because otherwise, all the good people, all the educated and people that you want making these decisions are going to go to blue chip companies and southern companies and you know why would you be in the public sector when you can be in the private sector and just make bank right i mean this is one of the yes. whole reasons so, why we want the free market economy to be more involved with stuff like this stuff like public servants and um generally like decision making but there, there just is another side to it which is that So science is a good example because all of the big scientific breakthroughs they won't come from experiments that make economic sense. They come from blue sky, what's known as blue sky research, which is that you can't really make a case for why you're doing this experiment. You can't really make a case for why you're following this line of reasoning. But it's those kind of like reaches out into the dark that bring. Or the the real innovation. So,、um, what I've heard, 
what I've heard about because I, I I mean like I suppose I got a taste of this when I was at uni, but um the 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 constant need to like generate funding and money leads leads science and engineering down a certain path which is not conducive to making new discoveries. So I can't come in and say, I've got this crazy idea, it's going to cost like £100,000, try it and it might fail. But I can come in and say, like, I have this idea to make a fiber optic data transfer like a little bit faster and then I'll get funding for that. So um, there needs to be, like the free market, free market is good at a lot of things, but it's not good at everything. I think so. I, I mean, I would and just counter this that. This may play, apply to politics. I, I would just play devil's advocate a little bit here on this first point, which is basically um, when companies do have a lot of money and they are doing well in terms of their profit and they are thinking about like how to, well, what their next step is. Like, for instance, let, let me just talk about the crypto industry because there are a lot of companies in crypto that did ICOs in 2017. They made a lot of money and they didn't know what to do with all that money because they didn't need that much money, but they raised so much money, the price went up. And a lot of them are just giving it away as grants to people that are doing innovative stuff, right? Like, for instance, in the Ethereum space, there's a couple of big ones like Status and MakerDAO that made a lot of money. And they are funding grants for, you know, research into ETH2 and research into um, stuff like uh, VDFs and all these other kind of, cryptographic primitives that may not necessarily i mean it probably will help them further and further down the line but it's like innovations that they they are funding and it's kind of out of their own pocket because they want the space to grow and you know maybe spacex would fund grants for lots of other things in the space um in in the kind of you know space exploratory kind of space that is conducive to innovation right they know that if it's just funding for a possible return then you're going to get a bunch of applications in a certain direction more commercial uses but they know they need to spend say 10 percent of their profits into innovation like people know what you're talking about which is basically like if they need to pay back money they're not going to go down the route that is more risky and might end up with zero and they don't end up with any profits they can't pay back the investors but if they do give out grants to researchers that might be a way to you know, private companies might be able to come up with those kind of solutions. I suppose it is possible, yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure all the work being done on quantum computers is is private. Well, not all. Actually, no, that's not true. But, I mean, a, a lot of it, it, like, Google is doing a lot of work on quantum computers, I think. So, yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe companies will, because when you're... When you're at the forefront, you really have nowhere else to go. I mean, you have no one else around you to copy. And if you want to keep growing, you have no choice but to innovate. I suppose it's possible. I can see like the scientist in you really I've... wants to argue against this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just there hasn't been a good track record of that working so far. Hmm. So all the innovation so far has come from academic institutions which aren't and the people are not like i think it's a similar situation to politics which is that the people like professors are are incredibly smart and they probably could make a lot of money in the private sector but they choose to pursue their academic interests um and i don't know like a lot of so if you write a paper 
like probably a lot of the theory that crypto is based on or the, the mathematicians who come up with that theory. I mean, some of them probably are crossing over now, but uh, a lot of the theory is probably discovered like hundreds of years ago. And, you know, that, that doesn't get rewarded. So yeah, this issue is, is a weird one for me. Like any, any big um, technological innovation that's going to come down, that's likely to come down in the future, the theoretical foundations for it have probably already been laid by some mathematician somewhere who, who like, you know, just won't, won't get rewarded for that. Or some scientist who's doing something that's right now is really abstract, but will be, found to be useful later and i feel like we want to incentivize more it's difficult i don't know how much to incentivize but it it seems like it's a good thing to incentivize those things that we all like kind of take advantage of now i think yeah i know what you're talking about you're basically i mean we're kind of coming back to the general idea of how do we fund these kind of externalities like uh whether it's Mm. whether it's how do we pay for negative externalities or how do we create kind of these positive innovations, positive externalities that may, say, not directly affect, say, your company. So, for instance, SpaceX, maybe there's some positive externalities they need they need to create in the industry, but it doesn't help them get to Mars or whatever. But we kind of need to, we all benefit if someone funds it. But if they are, say, in competition with NASA or the, 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 maybe some Russian Russian space companies or whatever, like I don't want to fund it because you're going to benefit from it, and you don't want to fund it because we you know I'm going to benefit from it. But if we fund it together, then it's all better for both of us, right? In a way, to, to be honest, right? Like this doesn't even solve the problem on a nation level. Like if it was something to do with space travel, like if we create these innovations, say in America, um, well, Russia's going to get hold of them, right? At some point, right? Like it's going to happen. So actually, the U.S. government funding it doesn't actually help with this problem that you're talking about, which is basically. Kind of no one wants to fund these innovations because everyone's going to benefit in a way. And actually, you kind of need to make external organizations to kind of fund this kind of research because at the end of the day, it's not, it's not just my nation that is going to benefit from these discoveries. Yes, that is the tricky thing. So, so it might make sense like, to even make it more, even like, like basically private, right? like try and create these. I think we should. So I think the solution is we we you can patent <clears throat> for some reason you can patent like you could patent the internet if you wanted to but you couldn't patent the the science that it's based on. So maybe we just make ideas in general. Right and subject to the free market. Our, our nation base, right? Like you patent something in the US but man they're going to copy the shit out of it China in China. Doesn't right? give a fuck. Yeah, like, well, like what that doesn't mean shit, right? Like so so actually, like all of these problems, just actually, once you escape the nation state, it's, it's the same problem, right? So actually, it doesn't really matter in a way. You, you kind of need to create private organizations and create some incentives for, say, Russia, China, and the US to kind of, um, what's the word, like cooperate on and figure out how to fund these innovations together because everyone's going to benefit. It's, it's for the, the human race, basically, right? Yeah, but that won't happen. I mean... <laughs> we can't we'll be waiting our whole lives if we're waiting for that <laughs> i mean russia i suppose you could say the soviet union fell apart and russia sort of moved closer closer towards the west i suppose and china like eventually realized they need a free market 
otherwise they're all gonna they were all gonna starve and then that's worked out really well so i don't know maybe things are moving in a in a good direction so, so i'm not sure if this is the right parallel but something like who right the world health organization i guess that is members of all countries and members of who and i mean obviously like there are some complaints with who so far with the covid situation hello who yeah yeah so an example of that would be who which is like obviously every most countries in the world are members of this organization they kind of share knowledge on these kind of things and um nations can make decisions based on whose innovation and um their own um that basically the like that that kind of council people and i think this also exists for stuff like the internet which is also cross-country stuff like um you know even like small things small technologies like blockchain right we have kind of what what they called like you know they're not like a council but yeah basically yeah stuff like the w3c but like for the blockchain community and stuff like that right you kind of need these things and they get funded by lots of different organizations like they kind of exist, right? It's just in terms of like stuff that's related to for just a particular nation, we don't. I don't know if, if it exists, but it doesn't feel like like it feels like we don't do that as much. We kind of lean towards just having a department, and the government deal with it. Yeah. So, but we're not going to be able to solve global issues. Like presumably, hopefully, we'll be able to join the UN and the WHO, <laughs> things like that. So we're. I think we're going to have to accept that we're going to have to deal with those. Well, I mean, my point was not whether or not we could deal with global issues or not. I was thinking more like, why don't we have that in a nation level, right? So instead of having um, a healthcare service or healthcare department, we actually have a WHO, but it's just for the island, right? The, the island health department and all of like the different kind of health organizations that are private companies are all part of that council and pay membership to that council. I think they, they have stuff like that already. So <clears throat> there'll be like a, they'll have, they'll have counts. They must have like medical counselors and things like that. I don't know. I don't actually know anything about this. Um, but what, I mean, this idea confuses me a little bit. Like, I don't know who's going to be in the council. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. I don't know what, what problem exactly this solves. Um, it solves the problem of we, so you were basically saying that we we don't want to fund uh, fund innovation as private companies because they don't affect no, us. No, I was just directly. saying that like we should extend the patent law to scientific discoveries. I think the reasoning at the moment is that purely scientific discoveries are not yours because it's like you're finding something. But I don't know. The argument never really made sense to me. Like if you go and find oil, that's yours. If you find an idea like maybe that's yours too <laughs> if we, i mean it's not about being selfish right it's about incentives as you keep saying which is a better mm-hmm. way to think about it so if we can say it's, it is a bit tricky as well so spacex doesn't exist without newton does that mean like newton's family gets paid every time someone uses like f equals ma because Literally everyone pretty much uses F equals MA. It's, it's quite difficult. I think if you, we could say like, someone would need to decide like how much of this idea are you using? I mean, maybe it's just not possible. I don't know. I think maybe we should go the other way. Maybe the solution is to go the other way and just nothing is ever patentable ever. Like everything is open source. I mean, I'm definitely for that. 
but just going back to your previous point, I'm just trying to figure out what we're actually, what's the topic right now? Because I thought we were talking about, um, we didn't want to say completely privatize, say science or something like that, or the science department of the government because we wouldn't look for these discoveries. Is that what you're saying? No. Yeah. Well, yes. But then I'm saying the solution to that would be to allow scientific discoveries to be patented mm. and just bring it into the into the free market. So, and with politics, well, I don't know how we'd bring that into the free market exactly. Yeah. But so I, I I don't think it should be patentable. I think a lot of these things shouldn't be patentable. Really. Like I I, I like the idea of open source. I like the idea of it's 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 another point where you're talking about like i would rather have the innovation which is basically like okay you came up with the discovery sure that's great but like look it's only the first step right like we there might be like 10 steps to this thing or 20 or 100 you know you need to keep innovating on top of the innovation and how do you how like maybe the patent's up and i create an innovation on top of the innovation why is that not patentable then well if it is patentable then we got to wait another 10 years 15 years for step three if we kept the innovations going, we've got to like step 100 by now and we keep building on the innovations. I think. Yes. I think. So then if you went the other way, though, would people still be correctly incentivized? So like what's happening in DeFi now, right? People can just fork and start a project. So does any is anyone really that incentivized to innovate because everyone can copy them straight away? Yeah. So um, the two things that... The things that do stop you from copying is a couple of things. One is is network effect. So let's let's look not look at DeFi straight away. Let's look at like just say blockchain, blockchains in general, right? Bitcoin's number one. Ethereum's number two. Ethereum is a smart contract platform. It's very much more general purpose, and there there are tons of Ethereum. Like I would say, the first wave of Ethereum killers came out in 2017 to 2018. And they've all fall, fallen by the wayside, basically, right? Because Ethereum has a network effect. You could literally fork the Ethereum blockchain, use the same client. Um, in fact, we have a fork of that, and it's called Ethereum Classic. But it just can't compete because we have the network <laughs> effect, right? Interesting. Okay, so maybe we don't need to worry about that too much. And Well, I wouldn't say such not need to worry about that, but it's basically like people need to know that if they have the network effect and they can build a community they can keep people in their platform. They can keep people using their technology, whatever it is, right? So you can fork the code and you can fork the technology, but you can't fork the network effect and you can't fork the community. I mean, obviously, and, that, and I think that's a good thing, right? Like, Because you can't fork the community, but you can take the community if you're doing a better job. And I think that's okay because mm. if you're not doing a good job at using your technology and, and you know, you're, you're, you're the inventor, right? You should know it best and, and you're not taking advantage of it so people will leave to innovate elsewhere right and you will need to continue so yeah the advantages you will have is that you will be you'll you will still be the first mover and you'll have that opportunity to make the network effect and you will not be able to just sit on your idea right if you're not continually gathering like improving and moving at a good pace um you'll get eaten up so i mean i suppose it's good it's just like it's really scary. Like it is scary. It, like full on competition is, is like scary. really hard. It is scary. It's <laughs> yeah. super scary. Yeah, I mean, like we just have a little bit of an aside. There's some crazy stuff going on in DeFi. Uh, for everyone doesn't doesn't know what that is. That's a uh, the decentralized finance area of it's like a niche of a niche inside the Ethereum community. 
and um, what's happening right now. By the way, this is the kind of stuff that um, turned off Su Su okay. Su Chong. What, what about it? <laughs> she was like, "Oh, I tried to listen to one of your podcasts, and then it got really technical, so I stopped." Okay, and well, I'll try. And, I, I I'll, and I was trying to think, like, what part of the conversation is it? I don't know. Like, we're not that technical, are we? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I'll keep this uh, less technical then. Basically, they are uh, some exchanges, like you said, like some software on the blockchain, and hmm. all they're doing is just basically they're literally forking the entire forking, meaning taking the code, copying it, and deploying it again, and it's basically just rebranded. And so this one exchange has basically been fought twice in two weeks. And the founder is pissed. <laughs> but because of the way he's dealing with it, I feel like people are pushing more towards the other, these other two fought versions. Like the actual first version is actually very, very, very good. Like I have no complaints with it. But they started to get VC funding and people don't like that. So they forked the protocol and they're giving uh... away kind of governance tokens to help govern the protocol. Um, because we assume the first version is going to have some kind of governance token, some kind of coin to allow you to vote and make decisions, but they haven't got it right now. And if VCs fund it, people are just worried that um, basically they're, they're huge They'll keep portions. some coins for themselves. Oh, well, they will. They have to, right? Yeah. So the VCs will get, yeah. their, will get their piece, right? So at the beginning, it'll be like 50% VC, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know the community was that anti, like centralization basically Very <laughs> well, yeah, you, yeah, you just uh, <laughs> of course anti-centralization <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah it seems obvious when you say it like that but yeah <laughs> well I'll just say that you, you said that not me <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay maybe it's time yeah, to so... start summarizing a little bit think about what our conclusion is for this Okay, so I think I'm well. I was just starting to shift my opinion towards having no patent laws whatsoever, and unfortunately, I think what that would mean though is that we wouldn't attract innovators in because we're in the context of the world as it exists now, and people can go to other countries and secure their patents. But it, I would still want that for our island, I guess. <laughs> and, and I would just extend on from that. And I just feel like in, I mean, we talked about this 10 years ago, right? I, I opened a GitHub account. I was like, this open source thing is really cool. You should make an account, get your name on there. And you were like, why would I put my code open source? That makes no sense. And 10 <laughs> years later now, like open source is like this huge thing. And innovation in the coding world is booming. Blockchain is almost entirely open source. And innovation over innovation over innovation is coming through, right? Like there's there's more than just, I mean, first of all, you can make money from it. But I was going to say there's more than just monetary or financial gain. Like patents basically help you to think of, a, like it gives you time to kind of create a business behind it because you have this protection, right? But yeah, you don't have any time in this. So the innovation just comes quick and fast. And actually even seeing your protocol out there, even if it's been built by someone else and they're making money from it, that's an amazing thing like people are proud that they've created this thing that is now like used by millions of people right like i think one of the worst things of having and being an inventor is that you create something and no one uses it right <laughs> like that is that's got to be more demoralizing than yeah so this is the thing it. we didn't mention is that 
because there's not a lot of money in science, people want like Nobel prizes, right? So maybe we should have award ceremonies and, you know, make sure people get recognized somehow for the work that they do well that's that's my point right is that maybe there isn't much money in it because you have all these patents that are protecting it so people don't know how to navigate this fucking bucket of patents and walls that don't allow you to like deal with these different technologies right i don't want to get sued so i'm just going to work in a i'm going to work in the blockchain industry where nothing is patentable and you base it's the wild wild west out here and i get to play with all these cool new tech that people are inventing right that's pretty cool like I would say that there's two sides of innovation. I think the the naive argument against innovation is that like without patents, no one's going to want to come into the industry. But I would say it's the other way around as well. Like with when there isn't patents, uh, sorry, when there are patents, I don't want to go to the industry because it's just there's too much red tape. Like that breeding these communities is actually very important. Not just that one person that creates a thing. Like he may be the smartest person in the room, but he's not as smart as ten people that are not as smart as him, right? Mm. And I think, um, well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's a good summary for me. It's more about like the wisdom of the very smart people, not just that one guy who made the discovery. Yeah, maybe it's a very, maybe it's kind of like a a monkey brain that like needs to have uh, the alpha of the group that we all follow, but actually we don't necessarily need that. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think All right, things cool. change so, so quickly. We can try... Yeah. yeah, go on. Things change so quickly. So the snapshot of who's the smartest person in the room, that changes second to second, maybe. And you need these kind of quick networks to kind of decide on these things periodically. And I don't know what system that is yet. I think we need to still discuss in a little bit more detail what that system is, but it needs to be yeah less centrally planned, a little bit more decentralized, maybe using the free market has less patents, has less red tape, and allows more innovation, more people to, to create these communities. Okay, I want to dig into this more because I like this. But so imagine like the, the thought that comes to my mind now is like, imagine like the airline industry had no regulation whatsoever. I feel like planes would just be dropping out of the sky. Like not the big companies, but there'll be like some guy will be like, oh yeah, I want to put like 10 engines on a plane and start an airline. <laughs> Sure. So there needs to be some kind of standards body, maybe like, <laughs> and you know, to be honest, right? Like, I'm not really worried about that because if you, um, if you, if you go on one of these airlines that don't have a standard, you're basically risking your life, and so the penalty is. And dead. no one's gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? Probably the airlines, airlines are so safe. Probably not because of regulations. Probably because yeah, if any I think airline which way around, crashes, like, all over the news, uh, two so different things. It's kind of which which came first. Okay, so all right, so next week let's dig into this more. We I wanna I think we wanna try and see we wanna in general we wanna move towards being open and free market and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think we just need to try to argue against that idea. And okay. if we can if it comes out on top still, then that this may be the first sort of concrete thing that we have, and then we can discuss like maybe a bit more specifically like all right so how are we going to decentralize politics how are we going to decentralize science how are we going to decentralize all these things but at least we can have i think we need some guiding principles right otherwise we're not going to get anywhere so Mm, i can agree with that all right that's a good place to stop i think all right cool thanks very much for listening see you again next time see you next time that's all we have for this episode 
please follow me on Twitter at Yishontier. That's Y-I-E-S-E-A-N-T-E-O-H. If you would like to support the show in any way, for those outside of China, you can donate money at paypal.me forward slash Y-I-E-S-E-A-N-T-E-O-H or subscribe to me on Patreon. All the details are in the show notes below. For those inside of China, you can donate by scanning my Weixin or Zhufubao QR codes below. Thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you all next episode. And we also have a new Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Chuan Chuan Podcast. So please like and follow me there.